I think we need to be a little bit more easier on ourselves because life is hard. You know, it's not easy to go through the day to day of things. It's not easy to pay for bills and live our lives and go through the hardships that life is just. So Mm -hmm. I think if we true to ourselves, honest with ourselves and listen to ourselves, I think you can't go wrong. Hello, welcome to Active Ingredient. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'm a really curious person who is on my own personal journey of self-discovery and personal growth. And so this is a podcast all about that. It's really about figuring out what are the things that make us come alive and how can we make sure that every single day we are finding what that thing is that makes us come alive, which is what I call our active ingredient. And to be honest, when I started the podcast two years ago, I thought that the answer was external. And the more and more conversations I had and the more and more self-work that I did on myself, the more I realized that the old adage that everyone says the answer lies within is tried and true for a reason. That is where they lie. We find the answers in the silence. And I am excited for you guys to hear the conversations with other people and the discoveries that I have myself along the journey. So welcome to Active Ingredient. I hope that you learned something. My biggest wish to you is that you feel alive and that you've found your active ingredient every single day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Active Ingredient. We have a guest interview this week. And I'm really excited to get into what she's about. I had such a good time interviewing her. But before I get into the guest, I wanted to kick off the podcast by giving you a little quick update on the half marathon training. So I'm a little over halfway. I did the halfway checkpoint episode last week and yeah, just running 10Ks and it's very, it's been very nice. So far, I've been really enjoying every run. Um, This week, I have my longest run distance to date, which will be on Sunday. Um, And so far, so good. I think that, you know, just continuing to do the rest work, continuing to do the body work, I incorporated acupuncture into my rest days, which actually made a massive difference with my legs falling asleep. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I have an issue with my legs that they fall asleep mid-run. So acupuncture has really been, or that one time I'm going again, um, not this week, but next week, That one session really just helped kind of like open up my hips, open up my pecs, which randomly is where I hold a lot of tension. And um, she did a lot of needles around the areas of my leg where uh, I tense up and where they tend to fall asleep. And my leg barely fell asleep on Sunday during my 10K. And it was really enjoyable and really nice. And I'm having a really good time. And if any of you guys have jumped on the half marathon training or if you were already training for the half marathon or you're just a runner, reach out to me. Um, I'm getting to the point of now needing to figure out the right gels or the right energy, which I'm very excited about. It feels very legit. So if you um, have any recommendations, let me know. The cleaner, the better, or just anything that you feel like is actually like good for you, good for your body, and that you found to be helpful, let me know. So in one of my runs last week, I was listening to Brene Brown on the Science of Success podcast. And First of all, I'm obsessed with Brene Brown. Like she is just 
incredible. Every single thing that she says is coming from such a higher power and you can just feel it in every word. But this podcast was absolutely incredible. I'm going to link it out in the show notes. And she said a quote on that podcast that really changed things for me. I feel like it, it's it's changed me so or changed like my thought pattern so much so that I want to reframe the way that I am doing active ingredient moving forward. Because after having done the podcast for two and a half years now, I feel like I started it with a completely different mindset that I have now. And this quote really just solidified the fact that I want to kind of change the narrative on active ingredients in general. I'm going to do a whole solo episode on that for next week. But for this week, I just want to leave you with this quote because I think this is the answer. Like this is what we really should be thinking about and and focusing our energy on more than anything external or anything else that society is telling us to do. So the quote she said was by Howard Thurman. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world actually needs is people who have come alive. And I could not agree more. I posted it on my stories. A lot of you guys messaged me back being like, damn. And I was like, yeah, I literally had to post it because I felt like, whoa, like that is that is so true. Like the only thing we really need is for us to come alive. And what comes alive is it... it you can't plan that. There's no next step or trajectory on how to do that. It's just literally paying attention. Pay attention to what makes you come alive and do it. If that means that you come alive hanging out with your family, go hang out with your family. If you feel like you're coming alive when you're dancing, go dance. Like, Does it have to turn into a career? Not necessarily. And I want to change that narrative. I want to be really, really intentional about how we're doing active ingredients moving forward. But I had to share that quote this week because I could not go another day without sharing this with you guys. I absolutely love that quote. So wanted to wanted to just drop that here. Um, again, I'll link out that podcast episode on the science of success. I'd actually never heard of that podcast before, but Brene Brown absolutely killed it again. And then I listened to her again this Sunday on my run talking to Oprah. So, you know, just getting a little dose of Brene. So this week's episode is an incredible episode. You know, when you just vibe with someone on another level, I feel like we are just two souls that really understand each other. I came across our guest of the show this week because I was really taken aback by her work um, in a cafe in New York. And it's one of those things that like you can't really explain, but I just felt deeply that I needed to have her on the podcast because her work really moved me. And I was like, damn, I need to get to know who the person is behind this. I read her bio on her website and it it did. It really, really did just get to me. So this week's episode is with Candice Kay, who is truly one of, if not the most talented textile designer in the space today. And for those of you who do not know what textile design is, which I honestly did not really know what that was before talking to her, it's the process of designing, creating, and producing a fabric's appearance and structure And Candace specializes in doing that on wallpaper, fabric, rugs, and textiles for commercial and home decor. It's basically a mix of creative artistry and craftsmanship, and she brings design to life via fabric or surfaces. She's the creator of the wallpaper of some of the buzziest restaurants and cafes like Maman, which is the one that moved me and I had to talk to her about it, (laughs) Cell Rose, Planta and Planta Queen. And for my Miami listeners, I know that you guys have been there and she did the wallpaper there. And she works with some incredible brands like CB2, Bacardi, and Nike, and just honestly, a ton of incredible, incredible brands. 
She is a true creative soul. And what I love about her is the way that she doesn't take herself so seriously, even though she's at the top of her game and she works with the best of the best. And I love how she's clearly done the work on herself and she wants to give as much insight into how she's gotten to where she's at today without sugarcoating anything and telling it like it actually is, which is really refreshing. So on this week's episode, we get into the importance of protecting your childlike energy. Very, very, very important. The correlation between your personal growth and the growth of your business and your career, giving yourself the space to be silent, following your intuition, and the biggest unlock for growth is getting out of your own way. So with that, welcome Candice to the show. Thank you so much for coming on the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm really excited to get into your journey. I've never had a textile designer on my podcast, and I'm excited to even get the description of what a textile designer <laughs> is. Um, but thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so I always kick off every podcast asking the guest what they were like as a kid that they remember, if there are any childlike qualities that you remember of yourself, or maybe if you don't remember, but people in your life say about you at an early age. And if you find that those qualities are in your personality today. Yeah, I think I'm very much like still a kid, but uh, I grew up like dressing up. I would go in my mom's closet and I would take like, at one point, I think I told her, took her wedding dress, but I would put it on. I would walk around her room. I would rearrange my bedroom like a million times. Um, I love Disney and I still love Disney. Me too. I used, yeah, right. I used to like, and it's, it's, I still do. I would create this like magical world that was my own. And like, that's kind of like how I lived. And it's interesting that I built my own company. That's my own little magical world. So I'm kind of still doing what I did as a kid. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I like to have fun. I like to laugh. A lot of people now, like when they meet me, they're like, you're such, like, we can see your inner child. And I think that's important for any creative to keep. And I, I don't do that intentionally. It's just like, it's just like who you are, but it's so true. It's just who I am. Yeah. But the reason, and the people that listen to this podcast all the time are going to be like, oh my God, Sophie, you always give this explanation. But like for, I'm sure you haven't listened to every episode. The reason I ask is because I try to have guests on this show that I feel like there's just like an energetic thing that's oozing from them that I feel like they are living their day to day in their truth or in alignment with like what they're supposed to be doing or what's just like the, the truest expression of who they are. And I found that the people that have that quality are exuding a lot of childlike qualities or like that they're kind of like unlearning that like middle teenage to like early adulthood shit that we all learn. Um, yeah. they've unlearned it and gotten back to their most authentic being, which is why I asked the question. So I love to hear that. I'm also curious, what is your like Disney vibe? Like who's your favorite? What's oh, up? Man, it changes. <laughs> um, I love Cinderella. That was like my number one. And then it was Snow White, but I don't really like that anymore. And then it was Peter Pan. Um, I think that's like my top, top Cinderella, Peter Pan. Yeah. And then now, like the other day, I'll put on movies while I work. If I have a long work day of painting or something and it just gets really lonely. I watched like all of the Harry Potters, like really? literally from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if anyone were to actually see me, well, now that everyone knows, but you know. I um, love that. Yeah. It, it keeps me in like, I don't know. Like, it's just like. In like a, a magical magic. land. Yeah. It keeps me in like a really creative space. 
And I think it's just because I hate, I really dislike people that take themselves too seriously. Like it just, I just don't drive with them. And I think when I, you know what I mean? When I keep in that space, it keeps me in like, yes, I love what I do. Like, yes, the job's important, but like, it's, it's all good. Like, let's just not take ourselves so seriously. You know? I love that. Well, one of my questions, which I, I want to get into <laughs> on your process was, but I love that Harry Potter in the background <laughs> is like part, part of it. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Moana, by the way. Like I literally am. I listen to Moana on my runs, like literally. Yeah, that's it's a good so song. Good. I know. It's so, it's good. so good. It's so good. <laughs> um, okay. So talk to me, what is textile design before we get into your personal path? So that people have context while we go through the, through the journey. Okay. So textile design can, can be various different things. Um, there's either like the makeup of the actual fabric or the paper, like people like obviously make fabric. Like it, you know, it's, it's assembled in a certain way. I do surface design. So essentially I do the print that goes on top of the fabric wallpaper and rugs. And eventually as I, you know, dive deeper in my business and grow, um, it becomes a hand-woven process. So I will be getting into the actual makeup of the fabric. Right now I'm just doing printing um, because it's like, you know, it's just really, it's fast and it's easier. And then once you start understanding millwork and you're able to kind of travel and that's what people source and they go to different places in the world to find like the right mill for them. Like I can't wait to be doing uh, lace. Like lace is a form of textile design. And like, I don't know if you, whatever off white has their own lace, like no one else has that. That's ultimately what I'm going to be doing with those types of surfaces. So, so yeah. meaning, meaning that like your artwork would be like transformed into lace. Yes. Yes. That's when you get into like, in my opinion, real textile design. That's when you get into like, that's like the beauty of fabric. Um, wallpaper is wallpaper. There's all different types of surfaces. And textures. And textures. Yeah. Like I have linen, I have plaster. Um, I have like a non-woven, I have a vinyl. And then there's, you know, so you play with those and wallpaper was just easier for me to start with because it's pretty straightforward. And then getting into rugs, that's that's also hand woven on a loom. Um, the mills that I work with are from like anywhere from China, Nepal, um, India, Afghanistan. Um, yeah. So sad. <laughs> yeah, it's really um, cool. Okay, so I want to get into first of all your first identity or, or identity or like that moment where you identified that you wanted to work with your hands and that you wanted to work in an artistic field. Um, and like, what was your kind of upbringing? Like, were you surrounded by creatives? Like, how did you kind of cultivate that within you? And then when did you decide that you wanted to go in a creative path? So I grew up dancing and that was like, I wanted to do that for a living. Like, I didn't even know that I could draw or paint. I never drew or paint growing up. My dad was always very natural. Like he would draw things, but, um, yeah, I never picked a paintbrush or I remember in grade five, I was asked to draw something and I did it really well. And I remember thinking like to myself, oh, wow, this looks good. But that was it. I didn't think anything really beyond that. Dance was like my, you know, I loved it. I like would do ballet by myself 
in my room but like dripping sweat like I was like maybe a little maybe a little bit weird <laughs> no, I love that I honestly I did it too I was a dancer so like you're speaking my language okay no like emo like a little emo, bit psychotic like yeah emo emo lyrical dancing by myself definitely <laughs> would get some sweat going for sure <laughs> so at some point I had to choose between going to school and doing dance that when you finish when you're 18 and you're going to university or college you have to choose and my mom was like you're really good at interior design like I would also look at magazines rip out things and this is very organic I didn't really know what I was doing and I chose school so I went to a sociology program which has nothing to do with anything and I danced for the NBA team for the Raptors and that was like, yeah, I was fine. That was like my, okay, I'm going to be with a group of girls. We're going to train. I'm going to dance for three years. And a girl on the team loved photography. And at the time, like pick monkey, like, you know, those photo apps that were like really big back then. And you would edit all your photos. I mean, it sounds familiar, but like, not really. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of like what Instagram used to be when it first started. It's like really bad editing. Uh-huh. So I would, I bought myself a camera and I, and I loved it. And then I made a blog and then I like fell in love with like tumblers. And like, at this time it was just starting like New York fashion week, street style. And yeah, I just, that was my first, like, Oh, I have, I'm creative. And I never thought that. And I would be, in so then you were already in school, you were already in college. I was already in school. Yeah, I was already in college. I was dancing for the Raptors at night. And then during school class, I would be editing my pictures instead of actually listening to the professors. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because I I, I love the psychology of people. So, it, and I still use that now to today for like the marketing. And so it, it's actually, so sociology degree ended up really coming my favorite we have a lot of parallels I was um a psych major also really Um, yeah which has nothing to do well it does it does have something to do because like I'm in the industry of people but yeah but like it doesn't it doesn't really it's not like I had like a major in communications minor in public relations you know yeah because we're just told to get into anything and you're like well I don't know like this sounds interesting exactly exactly and I also hated school like I I just despised it despised everything about it why did you not like it I don't know I I really always hated it I hated being told what to do I felt like a lot of it was like so stupid I hated um presenting I used to have like the biggest stutter as a kid like I couldn't even say certain words and so that would come up whenever I was presenting and like everyone would make fun of me and everything about school like I hated anyways so then I finished university and I went into interior design and I lasted three semesters and I quit and why did you go why did you go into interior design just because of that like initial like curiosity with your mom on magazines yeah like I didn't grow up with any creative around me at all like my mom owns her own business it was a family business um my sister went to school to be a lawyer the younger one is a doctor the younger brother works for the family and like my cousins, like no one was really creative. And so I didn't really know anything about anything. And I think that worked in my favor because it allowed me to 
figure it out for myself. And I think that's why I ended up being such an authentic path and growth down the road. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I went to interior design and we were doing mood boards, obviously. And I was so excited to go to the fabric stores and pick your fabric and pick the colors for the wall. And I still have, I still have one project that I did and I was designing wallpaper like prints on the wall without realizing that would ever be my future. And I remember the professor everywhere. Isn't that crazy? And the professor was like, you're, you have a really, you're, this is very attention, uh, detail driven project. And I was like, oh, and I would like, what the door would look like, I would draw out and like, I was really good at shading, but I didn't really know that I'd be good at painting. And then I quit because I hated it. Um, and then I went to Europe because my really good friend was living and going to school there. And that's when I went to Paris. And that's when I found out about this whole textile world. Okay. So you are in regular college. Like you're not in a specialized school by any means. You have a sociology degree and you decide to also yep. take interior design courses within that. Is no, that, that was done. Sociology oh, okay. was done. And this Got was it. kind of like, okay, now what am I going to do for a living? Okay. And so when you chose, was that when you, you went to FIT, right? Mm-hmm. You went to FIT yeah. for interior design? No, for textile design. Okay, okay we're, yeah. we're all over the place. So, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. No, it's not so you, it's me. So sociology was in Canada. Yeah. The interior design was also in Canada. I didn't know about, I didn't know what FIT was at this time. Like, it wasn't right. like, again, I didn't grow up with like any of this stuff. So like, no one even knew what interior design was. Like, you know, it was just kind yeah, of yeah, a yeah. far off concept. And then when I went to Europe and I went into, I went to Paris and I walked into this fabric store, which I've done millions of times before when I was doing mood boards, no one told me that people made their own fabric. Like it was, it wasn't taught. It wasn't like, oh, someone has to paint this wallpaper. You, you were just taught that you went to the showrooms and you picked what you had to pick from and that was it. And so, so I think when I found that out, that's when everything changed for me. And then there was, there was textile programs here in Canada, but it was a four year advanced program. And I really wanted to live in New York. And so it was, and then only because from blogging and keep in mind, I was still blogging. I was still taking pictures. I was still like making videos, doing all this stuff. (laughs) So I was enamored by like New York city and, and I would go often to like travel and like see my friends and stuff. Um, but then I went to FIT and I got accepted to the one-year advanced program at FIT for textile. Okay. I would need to get more details into <laughs> the feeling that you had going into that manufacturer in Paris, because I, I mean, I kind of gave you some background on this show, but it's really with helping people identify what that is for them, what that feeling is, or they want to be, you know, working in something that they're really passionate about and feels in alignment with them, but don't know Mm -hmm. those things. I want you to be really specific on what you felt going into that, um, on what you felt going into that manufacturing. Like, I I love that you say in your bio that it felt like a remembering, um, Mm -hmm. you get specific on like what that, what that feeling was. Yeah. And I think this remembering continues to happen. Um, but it was, I don't know how to explain it. It was like, oh, I've done this before. Like, it was like, oh yeah. Like I, I, 
when I touch fabric, it's like my hands remember. I don't know, it's like a past life thing, but it's it's very real. And so it was like this, oh, I'm gonna do something in this industry, but what does that even mean? Like I didn't I didn't know what textile design was when I was in when I was in Paris. And I was just so inspired by like the manufacturing warehouse, the rolls of fabric, like everything about it made my eyes light up. And that's when I knew that it was, I was going to do something there. And it wasn't until I flew back home and I picked up a book by Alice Temperley. And I didn't know who she was. And I just loved, her book has like a Union Jack on it. Mm-hmm. And I was just came from London. And at the time, Indigo, or you don't have Indigo there. What do you have there? Barnes & Noble just came out with like, the big textile, like, you know, those big photography yeah, like books that were like, yeah, yeah the craze, like it yeah. was everywhere when you walked in and I opened her, I opened her book and her bio said, Alice Temperley is a fashion designer, but she went to school for textile. And I was like, what the fuck is textile? And I was like, oh, sorry. Saying, like, what is textile? And I was like, oh, uh, oh, oh, like what I've been doing. Oh, what I've, like, oh, all that's textile. I had no idea. And so she has effortlessly built this brand that is so much her. So all of her clothes, everything are her own designs, her own, like she doesn't, she designs it all in house. And that's when I knew I wanted to do the same thing, but with interior. I never really cared about fashion. That is so crazy. And I, I, I've never felt that feeling of like, I've done this before. And I'm so like, mm-hmm. I, I'm a little jealous that you felt that. Like I, I would love <laughs> at some point in my life to really just like feel that feeling of like, I've done this before, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I definitely mm-hmm. have moments of feeling like, oh shit, like this feels in alignment, but I've never felt like in a past life or I've literally done this with my hands before type of feeling. So that's something to really like be grateful for. <laughs> like that's incredible. Yeah. Um, but but I but I think it like I left I quit interior design like that wasn't okay you know what I mean like I I I speak so freely like yeah then I went here well, then I went there but like everyone around me was like what do you mean you're gonna quit interior design what do you mean you're going to Europe like I still had to make those leaps to go against what everyone else was saying that didn't make sense to them and I still did it for some where reason does that, where does that come from for you I don't know. It's like this, it's like, I'm being told to do something, but in my, in my gut, I know that I should do it, even though it makes no sense. And it's just like, I, for some reason had this like bravery and I still go through those moments now where I'm like, I'm just going to go something about this feels right. So I think we've all had those moments. It's just recognizing that. And being like, hey, this makes no sense, but like, I'm just going to do it anyways. What's the worst that can happen? I go to Europe to see my girlfriend, you know? Totally. I mean, I've definitely had a lot of moments, like pretty much like on the daily of that feeling like this is an alignment. This is not an alignment or like, I need to Mm -hmm. expose a little bit further and not, but not to the level of like, literally like touching a cup and being like, I know Mm -hmm. this, (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, but I also went, dancing, photography, Tumblr, blogging, like doing interior design, really going to school, figuring that out. Like, you know, it's, 
it still takes time. Totally. Totally. And that's also something that I like to be really clear about with our listeners is that like, Mm -hmm. there is this expectation that it's like this aha one thing, like one moment. And it's not, It, it really is all of these little discoveries that you find about yourself. And the more that you kind of like um, exercise that muscle of identifying when things feel good and when things feel in alignment and when things feel like you and doing that over and over again, it kind of compounds and then you're, you're living it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you then went to FIT and that's when you started working with that professor that told you that, that line about the rose. So he said, essentially, if you know how to draw a rose, you can do anything in textile or just in, in a creative field. He he said in the industry, and I remember just being like, oh, that's very interesting. So when I taught myself how to paint a rose, <laughs> uh, now I look back and I think the the school system, you know, teaches you some sort of business. It's kind of like, especially, I don't know what it's like and what, what you did for school, but as an, as a textile designer, you're considered an artist, quote unquote. They don't teach you how to be business people. Right. So you're taught to go work for someone. And then when I had told my professor that I want to have my own business, he was like, mm, maybe you should go work for somebody. So I think what he meant was like, there are probably flowers in every single textile that you do. Make sure you master that and you'll be fine. Like whoever you work for, you'll be fine. Okay. And then I just took it to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so so you do agree though? Like if someone wants to go in a similar path, like and, and this could be like, just like an analogy or it doesn't have to be like literally a rose, but like, you think that like, if you're able to master one thing, then you'll probably be able to figure it out within the space. Yeah. Like I think, I think, you know, painting a flower is very versatile. Like if you can kind of get that looking really great, you can really get anything looking really great, you know? And I think it's just, if you want to be in textile, yeah, you have to have a, a wide range of things that you can paint and do and create. But then again, there's some textile designers that are really good at doing geometrics, you know, so just don't worry, just follow, (laughs) follow whatever you think. Okay. So at what point, at what point were you like, I am onto something like I'm going to work for myself and I'm going to make this be my, my life's work. So I don't know. I think I was just a little bit, I was so naive going. So when I went to New York, I oh, I knew at that moment I wanted my own company, but wow. I didn't know what textile design was. I don't, I don't know. It was like this, I want to work for myself. I want to create a life that's my own. I want to create my own little world of magic. And that goes back to when I was a kid and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know this is what I meant to do. And it was like this conviction and I was obsessed with this conviction. And I, I moved to New York for this one-year advanced program, I had no idea how to paint. I had no idea about what textile design was. I had no idea how I even got in. And I remember like the first day we were told to take out our paints and I, you had to mix colors. And I'm like, I don't know how to mix these colors. And it just, I just knew it was just a very natural, like I practiced a lot. Like I would go to all the other students and I'd be like, oh, how did you get that green? Or how did you get that? And, and I think because I was so untrained, my stuff looked so different than everyone else's. Like they would paint a flower and it was like real, beautiful. And you do these presentations and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) what have I done? Like my stuff sucks. And my stuff just looked different and I trusted that. And I think from there, because I knew I wanted to do interior, 
I would ask only interior based questions. So I'd be like, okay, what scale is normally good for wallpaper? What scale is good for this? Um, and then during school, I would have conversations with whoever would listen to me. And I'd be like, I'm going to transform the industry. I'm going to make you look at things differently. I'm going to take interior text and turn it on its head. Like, this is how I would speak to like grown adults. Like I was 25. And Elisa Marshall, who is now, who's the founder of Mama, we're friends. So we went to high school together mm. and we would have dinners and she moved from, I think she was living in London, England at the time. And she moved to, to New York and I would tell her about what I was doing in the textile industry. And she would take me around to all of her at the time boyfriend's events. And I would just be in front of these people who would actually listen to my crazy ideas. And I was sitting at a table with John Barbados. Yeah, John, Bar like the clothing brand, mm -hmm. his team. So it was his team, his creative director. They were building stores in New York and his lawyer. I still have his lawyer's card to this day. And I was, again, like 24, whatever. I was so young, 25, being like, this is what I'm going to do. And he stopped me and he was like, whatever you do or dream to do, um, like there's genius and bold. Um, sorry, that's, I'm, I'm messing up the quote but it was like pretty much if you're bold there's genius and there's so much magic in that don't like whatever you dream can do you can do and from that moment I was like I can do anything this is amazing this is gonna work and I just always had that feeling and then when Elisa opened Mama she was like I know you want to do textile design can you do four custom prints for the for the cups and I want them all different. And then that's how that started. What a story. Wait, also, like, can we talk about the power of someone who is like in an established role to saying that one liner to you that gave you the confidence to pursue your boldness, to tell yourself, I actually can do it. Cause it really just takes one person to give you that boost or give you that like reassurance, you know? Mm-hmm. So like maybe for this, for the like purpose of this episode, it's like, yeah, we all want to get something from this episode, but it's like, why don't, if you're listening to this, like be that person to someone, like if everyone that's 100%. podcast can be that person for someone else, like how incredible would that be? You know? Oh, and it, it changed, it changed everything for me, but mostly because he listened. And I think that's always as young artists or young entrepreneurs it's like people don't really listen to you because you're young and you're green and you're naive and you know he actually took the time and he listened to what I had to say and I, that changed everything Be, even before the quote you know does someone taking you seriously um because I was a student I and I remember him saying like do you have anything to show for it and I was like no he's like well that's the next thing you have to do he's like never talk to anyone in New York City if you've nothing to show for what you're saying and then that's when I started to make my, my first collections because it was, I'm like, oh, I need to like make something. I need to make prints because if I were to run in, you know, how magic New York is, right? Like you could be at a bar and you run into your idol. Like that's a, that's a missed opportunity there. If you don't actually have the courage to go up to them. And actually this, this is a story for later. I'll tell you at the end, remind me or I can tell you now. Um, <laughs> But I, and so that's when I started to make collections that no one would actually buy, but I started to build the brand and build my company and I would. And your skill too. 
and my skill. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's the part that I'm most proud of myself for without realizing that I was doing it. Like I was making collections, making the website, blogging every day. Still, I was still blogging for all this time, taking photos, still doing that. Can you like that. send me your blog? Is it, is it your website now? Oh my God. <laughs> it's on my website. It is. Like the, the one on the website now dates back to 2016, but there is another one. Oh, I want like the 2011 one. Oh my. And it's called <laughs> Eye Candy. Imagine. <laughs> I need it. I need it. I need you to send it to me. And then we can do like a side by side, like where, where I started, how it's going. Oh my God. It's, but it's all there. And I have like paragraphs of what I'm going through. And it's, it's so, it's, I don't ever want to get rid of it because it's like, it's amazing. It's you. I mean, it's you. That's your process. That's been your journey. Like, you can't, from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. And I, for some reason, wanted to document it. Like, that's also weird. Who does that? <laughs> Documents everything. Oh, you know, you had a, you have an inner knowing. Like, that's just what it is. I'm obsessed. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you're touching on like all of these serendipitous moments. You're friends with this um, founder of literally one of the cutest and best coffee shops in New York, Maman. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And you have worked with some really like high profile locations, brands, and now you're living in Toronto and you talk about wanting to move back to Toronto for the feeling of freedom. And mm-hmm. I am curious for someone listening right now on how much value you put on having started your career in textile in New York um, mm-hmm. and how much being here, being in New York gave you the opportunities to then eventually be able to set your life up like that. Do you think that that's outdated advice for someone now, like in a post pandemic world? Um and I'm just, I'm curious to hear your take on like what it's been like now back living in Toronto. If you feel, if you feel like your opportunities are still flowing. For anyone that is a young person, I mean, any age, doesn't matter. If you can go to school abroad, go. If you can travel, go. I think at the time Toronto, it, every artist left, like even dancers, like at 18, 19, you got your visa, you, you moved to New York, you moved to LA. Um, a lot of artists, DJs, singers, like they left Toronto. There wasn't much opportunity here. And I think it's changed. Like, I definitely think it's changing. And I'm proud to be in Toronto now at the forefront of a community that's starting in the in the art world. But like, there, like there's, I can't think of one textile company that's here besides mine. Like that's, that's really tough as someone starting out, right? And in New York, there was just so much, so so many options. There were so many people that I could learn from. And I think depending on what industry you want to go to, you want to be in, you need to go to where you can learn the most from. And coming home was because I wanted to start my own business and I couldn't stay in New York without a visa. I needed a full-time job because I'm Canadian and I was living this life of a full-time job at Holland and Sherry. I was working in the rug department and then on like nothing because I was starting out and I would go home, work at night, work on the weekends. And it just became this cycle that wasn't getting me anywhere. And I was super high anxiety. I wasn't sleeping. My stress levels were like so high for my age and I had to leave. So I like left my visa left New York City I did not want to leave like I was like screaming crying I did not want to leave New York and it was the best thing that I ever did for my business 
but it wasn't easy. It's still not easy. Do, do you find though that like you haven't been missing out on opportunities because you've laid the groundwork being here? Like you think that like being there is like still it's working yeah, out. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think that was and I think that leads to like you know th- like the next thing that you had written down in um in the outline was like this 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 process of like really getting to know yourself. And I think if I never left New York, I never would have been able to uncover the, the the sides of myself that were blocking my growth. So I thought that I had to be in New York to like make a difference and have a company. And it was actually quite the opposite. If I stayed in New York, I would have had a failing business. And so allowing myself to come to a space and I didn't leave New York and come to a glamorous lifestyle. I came at home to my mom's house. I lived with my family at 26. And I came home during a time where everyone was getting married and everyone had full-time jobs and everyone had lives. And I was starting from zero. I had debt, credit card debt from living in New York. I had one roll of wallpaper. I had one client. I had collections that no one bought. And I had like this website that I built myself. And it's a lot of uh, hard work, but I think it's a lot of consistency and resilience that you have to find in yourself to get up every day and just keep on building it and keep on growing. And I think because I just kept on doing that with the help of social media, people just found me like like-minded people and restaurateurs and people that wanted to be seen on social media just organically found me it was I don't know I'm obviously mama had a lot to do with that because they were on such a large scale in Soho New York growing locations um and Elisa did a really good job of always tagging me and she would always talk about me and she'd always promote me and I got really lucky with my clients and I don't know how other how what other way to say that it was just like life just kind of made it work for me but it doesn't mean there was a lot of hard work done on the back end. That's actually really interesting and something that like I'm starting to learn more and more is that like, I always had this mentality of like, get go out and get it or like go out and like hustle for it. And like, it's all external, but really if mm-hmm. like you're cultivating it within and you're cultivating your own skill, it comes and it's like way more impactful because it is like you said, the like-minded people coming to you versus you going out and trying to grab onto something for the sake of grabbing on, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a really nice dance that you start to learn. And there are moments where you're going to have to be in your studio working your ass off. And there are moments where you're going to have to go out. Like I kept on going to New York though. So I would, I would go once a month or once every two months and I would meet up with all my friends and I would introduce myself. And then I got Sal Rose, um, Lower East Side and I did, I did her wallpaper. And then I would always see Kristen when I would be in New York and then I'd meet her friends and like, but it wasn't every day. It was once a month that I would really put in the work to network, but then always creating work on the back end, always creating launches, always making videos, always making new designs. Um, and then I got Planta, which is, um, they, they have one in New York now. I haven't, have been, a, I haven't been to it, but I actually, me. I also have an apartment in Miami in the Grove. So the oh. queen, I literally am obsessed with your work in that one. It's amazing. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then 
Planta, I only got Planta because Stephen Psalm was like, I can't find anything. Let's call Candace. And the fact that that was even part of the conversation was like, oh, that's so cool. Because I had no marketing and it was all word of mouth. But I would have never known Planta would have grown to all these locations. It's and so it was, incredible. It's so incredible. It's, but, it's, but it goes to show that it compounds. It's like, yeah, you did a really good job here and you go back to Toronto and you're doing your thing there. You're hustling every day. And hey, they're, mm-hmm. they're launching three more locations. They want the same type of like expression and like cool it factor that you bring to your work. So the work keeps coming and you're just there doing your thing, not like grabbing onto it for dear life. And it's just being centered and like it comes and it flows. I think that's such a, such a good takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's times where like it didn't flow and it sucked and there was, you know, months that would go by and you would just be in a really dark place, but, but that's when you have to work on yourself. And I think, how do you, what do you do then? Like, what do you do when you're in that place where like, I hate being in that place because it feels like you are going to make desperate decisions. Like, what, do you, what do you do? I honestly, it's something that I still struggle with, but it was, I had to build my business simultaneously simultaneously with growing growth on myself personally, because my business is so authentically me that it couldn't happen any other way. So my problem was it's, it's all about perception. It's all about mindset. So what I would do at the very beginning, if I had no clients, I'd be low and I would let that get to me, but then I would attach my happiness to projects. This is what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. I'm so excited. And then I realized, well, that's all ego. That's, that's, I'm attaching my happiness to something external. That's not going to help me down the road. I needed to get to a place where failure, failure, quote unquote, was the same as happiness. I mean, not getting a project was the same feeling of getting a project. And so how did I do that? I worked in the lows and I really started to enjoy my downtime. I started to be like, I mean, it's not easy, but I started to like really enjoy the quiet. I I built, I built, I worked on myself. I figured out the shadows. I got therapy. Like all this stuff was so necessary because you learn how many blockages we put on ourselves. It is crazy. And, and one of them being, I thought everything was black and white. So I had to be in New York to be successful. And being in Toronto wasn't successful and then you you realize that it's like I could travel whenever I want to. If I have a meeting, I'll just go to New York tomorrow. And if I have a meeting in Miami, I'll just go to Miami. And if I need like it's these boundaries are not real. And I think once you start to break them down, you free yourself from limitations that are ultimately you place on yourself or they're placed on you through generations. And then you learn about your traumas and how to deal with that trauma. It's like this whole thing, but coming home allowed me the space to think and do that. Whereas if I stayed in New York, I would have been living this fast paced lifestyle that would have suppressed all that. And coming home and being with myself brought it all up to the surface. And I had to deal with all of that. And it was weird the minute that I started to break a boundary the business would grow. I broke another boundary. Something else would like, like would open up. I would break another boundary. And then like the dream client would present itself. And I'd be like, wow, I really have the power all along. 
I just need to get out of my own way. That is probably one of the most like empowering things I've ever heard recording this podcast. This is like the 85th episode that I've done. (laughs) It's 1000% true. And Mm -hmm. I think it's also the thing that scares us the most of what comes up in that silence, which is why people stay in that stagnant zone because they're not comfortable with the silence. And I, I have done solo episodes on this. I try to bring it up as much as I possibly can that like even creating like five minutes of just like literally being by yourself maybe something comes up, maybe it doesn't, but like having that muscle of being able to let things just come to the surface so you can look at it in the face and then go through it and grow is the path. And you said something that was really powerful that it goes hand in hand. You can't just grow your business and you stay the same. It doesn't work like that. You have to be doing it at the same time. They are mirrors of each other. So one doesn't happen without the other one. (laughs) essentially. No. And that's in anything that you do, not just having your own business. It could be for anyone that you work for. Exactly. Like, right. Uh, yeah. And that was for me, um, a process that I'm still doing, you know, I feel more comfortable in myself now than I ever am, but then just the idea that I can grow and be different and better and explore different sides of myself. That's now exciting. It's like, what else is possible for me? Right. And that's why I always say this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what I'm doing because I'm going to keep on evolving. Yeah, that's, and that's, that is the most exciting part about it because like you can feel, I was listening to Ed Milet this morning. I don't know if you listened to Mm -hmm. his work, Mm -hmm. but he was saying that he's like, how exciting is it that like, even when you continue to break these barriers for yourself and you continue to reach these crazy heights and you think like, oh, what can be better than this? Like there is something always around the corner. It's one phone call away. It's one discovery away. And it's so, that's the most exciting part. It is. And like, I have so many examples and I I think that's what's so beautiful about life is that it will present itself to you. And then you can't not deny it. Like I have like, how much time I have? I feel like I talked to you forever, but like (laughs) what, like recently I was, I was in New York and I didn't need to be there. Like really there was no reason. I just went to have fun. And a client was like, Hey, I see that you're here. Let's meet at this place. And when I got there, um, a lot of the design firm just happened to be there having dinner with another client. And as I'm having drinks or like drinks to have a meeting with this one client, someone from the same studio walks down and he gives me my dream job. But if I never was in New York and I never, and I listened to everyone else tell me to come home, I never would have gotten that meeting. I never would have gotten my dream job. 100%. So I'm curious to know really quickly, because I know that I've had you for way longer than we said. That's okay. Um, okay. Do you have something right after? No, we're okay. good. I'm curious what your process is. I feel like your work is like, I could see immediately, like when I walk into something and you have a vibe. Um, and I'm curious, that. how do you, how do you cultivate that? And what would you say is your vibe? One of the things that I try to do is take layouts that have been done forever and I just change them a bit. So it makes the print look a little bit different. So for example, right now I'm working on a new print um, for a restaurant in Miami and we're, we're updating what the old English print will look like. And so it's just kind of taking what's been done forever and just making you look at it different. And that was my initial strategy when starting my company. And then now it's just evolved into like, I really love layout. That's like my favorite thing to do. 
I love putting things together in ways that really have never been done before. Um, and I think that just gives off an energy. I think when you see things that have never been done before, it, that in itself is special. Like, you know, when you see an artist, it's like one of one. I didn't realize how powerful that would be in a space. So when you walk into Poppy Steak, you walk into Planta's, Mama's, Cell Rose, all the restaurants that I've done, it's like, this is a one of one. Like, you won't see this anywhere else. And it so fits the restaurant. So I think it's a combination of like the print being its own its own entity, but then it matches the decor. And I think the reason why it gives off this vibrancy and this, um, it, it gives off- Like, like it evokes feeling. Yeah. Yes. I think the reason why it does so powerfully, it's the combination of it all. So like poppy steaks print wouldn't be anything without the red banquettes. It wouldn't be anything without the way it's laid out. It wouldn't be anything without the mirror that reflect it all or the low ceiling or the way they light it all. It's like, there's a science to the interior in its entirety. And I've just been really lucky to work with some of the best interior design firms. How so sometimes I do like they, they show you like what their vision is first of like furniture, lighting, layout. And then you come in and say, okay, I, I can enhance this with this. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Um, at the beginning, it was like, hey, Candice, we want this look. And then I would kind of have to work within their guidelines. And then, but now it's turned into like, this is the concept, make a print. <laughs> and, you know, and because I'm collaborating with the design team, they're so talented. So it's like, of course, the prints are going to be amazing. And they, and they, and they correct them. Like it's a, it's a fully collaborative process. Like, uh-huh. you know, I, I, like we did a new plant in West Palm beach. And if it wasn't for Greg with, from iCrave, that print would have looked like so shitty, like when it first started, but he pushed me to evolve and make it better. And he's like, what about this? What about this? And then Steven, the founder, um, like chimes in and he's like, mm, I like this option. Let's do this. And so it ends up being this collaborative of different people. So it's not just me. Yeah. I just essentially, you know, make the print, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. collaboration. Mm-hmm. Which one's your favorite? Oh. Is it like, all these? They're all my babies and they're, they're all, they're all, uh, evolution of like who I am as an artist. Like if I look from like, from my, the first one that I did to what I'm doing now, it's like, wow, like I've gotten better. And I think that's what's most exciting. It's like all this practice, all this work that has gone into building this over the past six years. It's like, oh, like I'm actually getting good at this. Whereas I never felt that before. I never felt like my stuff was quite it was good, but I was like, oh, you know, it's all right. Like, you know, and now it's like, you know, this is cool. No, it is. And I think it's also a reflection of like the fact that you're doing the work on yourself and you're able to receive that, you know, like you're able to see it and then like be comfortable with it being like better and better, you know? Exactly. And I think a lot of it, I, I, I come across so many designers that have just this ego of it's my work and you can't touch it. And like, there is no ego here. Like, I just can't even because it, it always makes it better. Always. There hasn't been one instance in my career where the work has been worse. 
like you have to allow different opinions. You have to allow, you have to trust the people that you're working with know what they're talking about. Totally. Because if you take it all for yourself, yeah, it's probably going to look a lot worse than if you allowed it to be more collaborative. So wait, so which one's your favorite? <laughs> I don't have, I honestly don't have one. You don't have I one have, that's like, like, oh, wow. I don't have a favorite. I have a favorite experience one. I think the the cell rose in Montauk was my favorite to create. It just is because stunning. It's stunning. Just because it was like a two week process. I hand painted alone in the dark with like my little like, like projector. And I got to see Montauk on off season. So I would like paint. It's so fun. Then I would go to like, what is it? Gig Shack or is it Gig Shack there on the, on like main strip? Gig Shack. Not Gig Shack. It's like, it's like one of the ones that's very popular. Like a store? No, it's a restaurant. Hmm. It's like on the strip, on, like right, like. I don't know. Maybe it is Gig Shack and I've just never been. I don't know. Oh, it's fun. You should go. And it, and I would just like sit with all the locals and we would have drinks. Like there was one night where I was up till two o'clock in the morning, just like talking by myself to people that would come in. Like, I think that was, that was the beginning of my job going beyond the prints. And it became more about the people that I work with. And I think that's, that's where I am now. It, yes, I love what I do. I love the prints that I create. It was really cool stuff coming out for next year. Um, but it's like, I love who I work with. That is, that is a really, really incredible position to be in. And it's, it does, it didn't happen overnight and you created that for yourself. And I will say that the Mm -hmm. cell rose work that you did does feel very much like a magical land. Like it feels like you're going into like some magical world, um, which is a really great kind of full circle moment to close the podcast out because you as a little kid would create your magical worlds, which is awesome. That's true. That's very Um, true. Okay. Before we go, I have to ask every guest, what do you think is your active ingredient? Like what is the thing that is what lights you up and you find to be like the most authentically true to yourself that you bring out every day? I thought I had an answer to this now changed. What's like the most authentic thing that I bring every day? Like that's like, or I mean, the question honestly could be also like, like, what is the thing that you find to be like your biggest motivator or like the thing that is the, the heartbeat of what you do, you know? Oh, it's, it's now the people 100%. It's like keeping, like keeping that, that drive and like that magical world always there. Like, I think that heart will always be the heartbeat of the brand, but what keeps me motivated is when like I get an email from my suppliers in Montreal and they're like, so cute they call me their choo-choo because they're french which i think means darling and and um means darling in french and it just like that in itself like they they work overtime for me if i need a print ship printed delivered within two days they do it you know and i have like my installer who works overtime for me to get this stuff done and i'm getting phone calls and facetimes from him and it's just the people that always have your back and it's like I've created this little team of mine that's makes it worth it I'm obsessed what would you say to someone who is currently having a hard time figuring out what that thing is for them and they're eager to like they want to find that for themselves and they don't know where to start is there any kind of like 
tool uh, you, you mentioned that you've done therapy, but is there anything that you would mm-hmm. like suggest or advice that you've been given or want to give them um, that you think would be helpful? I think, I, I think therapy is great when you're, when you're trying to like uh, face the shadows and like the, like the dark, maybe scary parts of the self. And you're trying to like, you know, rebuild and deconstruct what, you know, traumas are and all. I think therapy is really important for that. But I, I, when you're trying to really figure out what it is that you're meant to do in this world, I, I think we're kind of born with it. I think everyone has that thing, whether that be, you know, shipping packages at UPS or whether that be, you know, being, an accountant or whether that be a lawyer or, or, or owning your own business or NPR or making podcasts. Like, I think the most important thing to do is to remember to sit with yourself and listen to yourself because we all have this voice. And I know we've all heard it at some point, sometimes louder than others, but I think it's once you start sitting with yourself and listening to yourself and really strengthening that muscle, and that voice, you'll start to notice things that make you feel good inside. And it it could be a lot of things. And I think there's this misconception in this world right now where you have to find your one thing to be like, you know, it it could be a lot of different things. One of those things could be sitting on the beach, listening to the water and you love the ocean (laughs) and that makes you so happy. You know, I think it's also changing that narrative and allowing yourself to be open to everything and everything. And then if you happen to find, fall into a job that brings you that feeling every day, that's amazing. But if you have a job that brings you an income to allow you to do things when you're not working that bring you joy, that's okay too. I think we need to be a little bit more easier on ourselves because this life is hard. You know, it's not easy to go through the day-to-day of things. It's not easy to pay for bills and live our lives and go through the hardships that life is just so Mm -hmm. I think if we I think if we're uh, true to ourselves honest with ourselves and listen to ourselves I think you can't go wrong beautiful answer thank you so much for coming on where can everyone find you and are you available for hire (laughs) (laughs) yes 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 um you can find me at underscore candace k underscore on instagram candacedesign.com is my website uh and that's it and you are available for hire i'm available for hire (laughs) only people with like good vibes that are good collaborators like good vibes good collaborators uh yeah amazing well this was fabulous thank you so much for the time i'm so excited to see what you do in 2022 (laughs) thank you Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean the world to us if you could rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.